0: You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full-Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot.
1: Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. I am excited to talk fantasy football once again with you folks. It's a beautiful day, and we are going to get into some of the latest news. We are going to talk about some Clyde Edwards Hilaire hype train. It is out of control, but look, (laughs) I certainly get it. And we're going to get into some wide receiver talk. We're going to talk maybe some ADP sandwiches coming up here. You know we like our, our sandwiches around here on the hot take. I am joined as always by Josh Daly.
0: Josh, how's it going, buddy? Going good, brother. Got some uh some breaking news to talk about and some news that uh actually happened pretty much as soon as we were done recording last time. So we'll we'll catch up on that. Uh but yeah, excited to kind of go through some of the news here. Excited to talk with our guests and you know, maybe eat some sandwiches. <laughs>
1: Yeah, a bad Santa. Shout out to that little boy in bad Santa. (laughs) Always (laughs) for the sandwiches. Thanks for reminding me. We have to uh, shout out our guest today. Special, special guest on the show today. Very excited to have back on the show, Marcus Grant and James Coe, both returning for, I believe, would be their third time each on the show um, and we're going to have them on together for a little NFL Network reunion. But let's talk about some of these opt-outs. Now, last week, we were like, oh, yeah, pretty light on the opt-outs, nothing too fantasy relevant. And as soon as we ended our show, Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, is opting out. So we are going to get into that a little bit more later about what that means for Clyde edwards helaire who has spiked up into the late first round Maybe early second round, but don't count on it uh, in most formats at this point. But other opt-out news, uh, we got a pair of Dolphins receivers, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. Now, along with that news, Preston Williams has been cleared to play. Josh, how are you feeling about this right now? I mean, do you think that Preston Williams is going to be healthy enough to be as productive as he was last year?
0: Yeah, definitely interesting with the timing, my man, you know, they announced this, he gets cleared uh, on what was that Monday, late Monday, and then, you know, Tuesday. And now on Wednesday, we get uh, the consecutive days of news that both Hearns and Wilson are opting out. It's, I tell you, the one thing that's interesting is if you remove both of these guys from the equation last year, and I know neither Hearns or wasn't played a full season. And that being said, it kind of even amplifies this point even more, but that automatically opens up 110 vacated targets. So when you look at Preston Williams, just this this clarity, this sudden clarity in the receiving room for the Dolphins is it's kind of interesting and very appealing. I know you and I have both been high on Preston Williams.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Preston Williams, we saw that Ryan Fitzpatrick was targeting targeting him very heavily. I, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do a lot for Preston Williams in fantasy. You bring up Mike Gusecki and the other pass catchers, super relevant. You know, you're going to get them at really, really cheap prices this year in, in redraft. Yeah, absolutely. So Sony Michelle and Jarvis Landry, both on the pup list. Um, now we were talking off air, Josh, it looks like that Jarvis is, is, is quote on time. Now his schedule was always around that like week one.
0: Yeah. And then that's, as soon as they announced that, you know, it was kind of a surprise to some, uh, they, there was whispers that this was going to be a possibility. Um, of course when you're dealing with your hip and you're a receiver and you have to make these cuts, that's a pretty important injury to overcome. Some can be more serious than others, of course, with the Tua news for uh, for the draft. I mean, that was like the main storyline uh, for, the, you know, the 2020 draft. But, you know, Mary Kay Cabot comes out immediately after this news, and she tweets that basically the announcement, like, he'll he'll be fine. You know, they, they've expected this the whole time, that this was the timeline. So I, I'm not worried about Jarvis at all. You know, I'm a huge Juice stan, so... This is uh, this is my guy and I'm not letting it affect my current rankings. And I really don't think it should be uh, affecting anybody else's rankings. If anything, all it does is just justify um, with how lowly he's been ranked on a lot of boards. I've, I've thought he's been underranked and underrated you know, this whole time. So it's um, so if anything, it just kind of I, I've really with that being built in, I don't feel like there's a need for him to slip any further.
1: And I mean, I feel like you could say similar things about Sony Michelle, you know, um, it's someone you can get in the seventh, eighth round, we've talked about him before, now he's on the pup list. And we've kind of, you know, we were alluding to that being the case, potentially. Yeah, I'm thinking that this is a little bit more serious, like he could actually miss a couple games, um, or his value could actually, you know, you could actually get him at a cheaper price if people think he's going to miss games, and he doesn't. So
0: it's very interesting there with Sony. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were joking uh, a couple weeks ago before we were talking. When we, you know, we had last week, we had our um, we talked about the Patriots backfield, and we were kind of joking, like because we talked about on a uh, on a lost episode of this show. So there's no proof that I like JJ Taylor out there, but we we, <laughs> we joked about JJ Taylor, and I said, you know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility if Sony gets put on the pup and you know we it's somebody opts out so is that, that was that player so far has been you know brandon bolden right and we talked about that rex burkhead does contribute on special teams and so i think he's probably going to be like that main guy uh for them he is going to be back on the roster he he should get a boost in touches just with that absence of sony uh whether it's the first half of the year or if it plays out into something major or if uh, frank caliendo slash bill belichick can kind of <laughs> you know, talk him into, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe it's not worth it. You know, maybe sit, maybe right. sit this one out. Um, but it's just, it's weird. It's like, I want to post, uh, the it's happening gif, you know, with, with <laughs> J for JJ Taylor. But I think realistically you have to look, there's one more big hurdle to clear there, man. And that's Damian Harris who right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it because he was used so sparingly in 2019 that he, I'd still think that he would be, uh, a better option than a rookie you're bringing in on an extremely abbreviated training camp period with everything going on. Uh, I still think Harris would be first in line to get some of those touches uh, with of course, some shaved off to Burkhead and um, maybe we do get some JJ Taylor in there. That would be, that would be excellent to see, but um, you know, it's, it's probably something where Harris is going to be the main benefactor.
1: Yeah. You know, people are doubting Harris because of the lack of touches last year. I would say don't look into that at all. <laughs> when the Patriots want to use a player, they'll use them and they'll use them often. And it, oh, it yeah, might, and it might happen out of nowhere, you know. But just look at what's going on. If Sony misses eight games, and who who else is there? It's Burkett, it's James White, it's Damian Harris.
0: Who's going to get the bulk of those carries? Who's right. going to get and the last year was two hundred fifty. Yeah, two hundred fifty yeah. carries. Well, two forty seven, but you know, one hundred twenty five, one hundred twenty carries. You know, if you're going to take split half of that uh, first eight weeks, hey, man, somebody could really produce with 120 carries. I mean, James White, he is what he is, but they do, you know, tend to give him some handoffs here and there. So it wouldn't surprise me to to see him get a little uptick in in carries, too. It could be, you know, just a a more sophisticated mess in 2020. (laughs) I just want to see
1: one. Formation of Jarrett Stidham in at quarterback and they line up Cam at the running back.
0: I mean, do that for <laughs> I me, mean, please. I just want to see that once on the goal line. <laughs> and you know, Bill Belichick would do something like that. Oh, get, you know, Cam Newton's one of the best goal backs in the NFL. Why not? Why not? There you go. Uh, so, you know, speaking of training camp,
1: coach speak, all this, uh, I just saw on Twitter right before we uh, got on here, Ian Rappaport had a direct quote from Bruce Arians. Rojo is the main guy. That's Ronald Jones, running back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sh- uh, Shady McCoy will contribute in the passing game. So that's cut and dry. Um, Josh, are you looking into this at all? I mean, do you believe what Bruce Arian says? I mean, this is the guy who said that Chris Godwin was going to catch 100 passes last year. Chris Godwin well, I think- almost called 100 passes last year.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. it's 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 weird because this one statement. Uh, I think kind of, you know, just things getting things getting really clear in Florida, you know, today. It's uh, yeah. it, it's it offers clarity on a couple of levels here. You know, not only do we see perhaps a downgraded projection for Daria uh Gumbelai's passing production, uh, you know, with with what he did last year. I mean, you know, it wasn't like he was severely impressive. I mean, he only caught 35 balls, but he's also used yeah. pretty sparingly. Um, I, I thought that he and Tom Brady would have a fairly solid connection and it, it seemed, it appeared that way until like the day that they signed McCoy. So that's yeah. kind of telling, uh, especially with this, this current quote. And then it also sheds some light on the, uh, you know, the entire situation with, um, the Keyshawn Bond truthers and the, the route Jones, uh, you know, Rojo being the lead guy is is definitely not what half of the fantasy community was expecting. Um, right. But it is early. And I mean, when you look at just kind of the way each running back uh, has contributed from their you know, previous situation, um, you know, and then of course you're talking about you know, one rookie coming into the equation, it, it's definitely turned into kind of a, a four back cluster there. But uh, this, this quote does offer some clarity, which is, which is nice to see.
1: Ronald Jones last year: 172 carries, 724 yards at 4.2 a clip, six touchdowns, 31 receptions. Isn't that an okay year? Are we like, you know, saying that's an awful year? You know, that's that's pretty good considering it was his second year. Um, I mean, he's only he's still only 22 years old, so he balked up. What does Tom? What do Tom Brady led offenses do traditionally? they score a lot of touchdowns in the red zone and they run the ball a lot in especially, you know, five yard line and under, you know, we think about uh, like Eric Blunt and random guys, you know, like Jonas gray and people like that, that they're just pounding the rock in. Um, Right. Who who was the other guy? Gillis Lee. Right. I mean, these were guys, you know, and you know, this Tampa Bay offensive line has improved. Who is the guy? Who's the thumper? I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, I get it. You know, if you were a Keyshawn Vaughn guy and he lands in this situation, certainly understandable. I think for two years now, any free agent, any rookie, the ideal landing spot was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're a Keyshawn Vaughn guy and he lands on Tampa Bay. I get it. You're ecstatic. But what does Bruce Arians do? I mean, what did he do with David Johnson, who was really damn good? I mean, he was losing out carries to Chris Johnson, you know, so... I think that Ronald Jones right now just to me is, is the clear guy to get the majority of the workload and the majority of like relevant carries in the red zone. Like he's going to be that guy. And then I think what Shady McCoy offers Tom Brady is just like a veteran presence. Um, I I think that Tampa Bay feels good about having just a veteran running back there. I mean, there really isn't anyone until they signed Shady. So it was like, it was kind of like almost needed, even though I guess from the fantasy perspective, realm, you you don't think they need another running back, but they kind of did uh, in that sense. So I think they just feel more comfortable going in with him. Yes, he's going to steal some touches away from Rojo, but I, I really don't think it's going to be anything significant where you're going to be like, you know, I, I still think that Rojo can get 12 to 15 carries a game is where I'm at right now.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you just want to know who who's going to be the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis of the, of the, <laughs> of the bunch. Right. It's uh, no, but it's, it's it can be more of a more win now team, you know. You bring in Brady, <laughs> Gronk, and and Shady. I mean, you know, geez, I don't think I've seen a, a trio of free agent acquisitions, uh, you know, older than this than this group. But uh, an interesting win now experience triumvirate. So we'll see kind of how that uh, plays out going forward, my man. You kind, of, uh, you kind of led into it already. You have some uh, repeat appearances here. Uh, never together, though, so excited to uh, be welcoming on not only uh, Marcus Grant, but also James Co. together here at the same time. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are we doing this evening?
2: We're good. Uh, yeah, it's funny because Co-, Co and I keep running. We, we hadn't done a pod together for, like, two years, and now I think this is, like, the third one we've done together in, like, three weeks. So... <laughs> It's outrageous.
3: <laughs> no, nah, it's been great, man. Uh, it's been great to to kind of chop it up again with MG, my guy, and um, it's it's good to be on this podcast as well, man. Man, it feels like I haven't done podcasts in two years or something. Like,
2: <laughs> what's, what's my deal? I, yeah, I don't
1: get well, it. what
3: am I, What have I been doing? <laughs> well, we're super happy
1: that you're back in the game, of course. Um, and then you're working on the uh, the micropod that you've been doing, right? It's like a quick fifteen minute, quick
3: hit sort of thing. Oh, not even. It's 5 minutes. It's called oh, wow. the Fantasy 5. Um it's literally just 5 minutes um and it's just fantasy. Uh when the season gets going, there'll be some, you know, sports gambling stuff in there too, um uh, which should be a lot of fun. Um <laughs> I was never allowed to talk about it, but it's like I've been like gambling on, you know, sports for so long. Um and it's funny cuz like it's only now kosher. Um, to talk about it. But yeah, no, I've been doing it for, you know, what, 20 some odd years or something. So it's been great. But no, um, but yeah, the, the, the podcast, I'd love, look, man, I would love for people just to give it a try. Okay. It's five minutes long. It's not very much time. It comes out three times a week. Listen to it whenever you want. Um, it's quick, it's simple, it's easy. You know, I just hit some major headlines and, and I, I, I give deep sleepers. I give regular sleepers, you know, I'll give overvalued, undervalued players and st- it's stuff like that. So I, I would love for people to just to give it a try. And if you don't like it after two episodes, give it another two episodes. And if you don't like it after that, maybe we can talk, but I, I, I think you will enjoy it. I, I, I really do believe in it. Um, and this whole micropod thing is something that, um, I really believe in as well. And I, I'm trying to start a little micropod movement. So there you go.
0: Well, that's awesome. I mean, in theory, I mean, even if someone did listen to four or five episodes, that's like half of a normal podcast. So like, <laughs> right. what, what do you guys have to lose? But, uh, but yeah, we thought we were original getting uh, both of you guys on here at the same time. And of course our shout out to our boy, uh, Ben Eby, who's actually in the hot take, uh, inaugural dynasty league. That's right. Uh, We uh, we want to give him a quick shout out. He actually beat beat us to the punch. So uh, not, not very original, but, uh, but we wanted to at least have you guys on. So we kind of chop it up here. And uh, of course, you know, Steve and I were just talking like beforehand. He said, you know, I'm sure you guys, he said, you know, I'm sure you watched James and Marcus, you know, back in the day. And uh, of course, like anybody that was into fantasy at that point in time, uh, you know, we were talking about how it was pretty much like the only thing that was really on uh fantasy related. So it was it was nice to kind of have that uh as someone, you know, people like us are huge fantasy aficionados. It, you know, we we strive to have that programming on our on our TV, you know, that's something that we're we really going to enjoy. So like of course, of course we we used to watch and you're know, wanting to ask you guys, you know, did how did you guys kind of get started and like what led you guys both to the NFL network and getting on NFL Fantasy Live where you guys used to kind of appear regularly together?
2: I sort of ended up here by accident. Like This wasn't this was not a planned career move for me. I had been working in radio for a long time and uh, my radio opportunities had sort of dried up uh, for reasons beyond my control. Uh, I had been uh, recommended by a former coworker to apply for jobs at the at the NFL, that they were always looking for people. Um, I literally went on the website, uh, was uh, applied for like four or five jobs i mean at the time i was just sitting at home freelancing and and watching reruns of law and order svu um so i just i applied (laughs) for four or five jobs uh didn't hear back from any of them now mind you i also did this in 2011 like during the midst of the lockout people weren't even sure if there was going to be a football season here we are nine years later and people aren't sure if there's going to be a football season because time is a flat circle um (laughs) so I went months without hearing anything and kind of forgotten about it. And then uh, got a call from Michael Fabiano one day asking if I wanted to interview for a job writing about fantasy football. And I was like, does it pay? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, sure. So um, the night before the interview, I read a bunch of his columns and I just basically regurgitated his own information back to him. And uh, you know, Was able to get the job. I got I got offered the job the day the lockout ended Um, He called and offered me the job and I started kind of as like a glorified copy editor uh, Just just editing stuff that he and Adam rank wrote was able to kind of, you know Write a few blog posts here and there and and just have has have been fortunate enough to work my way up into You know being on the podcast now hosting the podcast being on fantasy live Um, I mean literally if if we have a season this will be season number 10 for me and and it's kind of amazing because wow. this is this is easily the longest i have ever been at one job in my entire life so
1: <laughs> so it's kind
2: of amazing <laughs>
1: I guess imitation was the uh, sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> man, there is
3: so much to take away from Marcus's story. One, first of all, I mean, hell of a finesse move, right? To, to basically <laughs> do that research and, and regurgitate that info. But th- that's like just solid life info right there. Like if you're applying for a job, like you gotta be doing that, you know? Like I'm always surprised by the number of people who go to job interviews just cold, you know? It's like, what y'all doing, man? Like yeah. they got Google, you know? Just Google this stuff for a little bit. <laughs>
0: They got it. <laughs> right. Just go um, visit the website at least. Do something. I
3: know, man. And like yeah, I mean you could like research what people like that your interviewers maybe even I don't know. Anyways, that's that's for a different pot. But you know, it's like another thing that I took away from that too, it's like if you know um Fabs at all, it's like, you know, playing up to his ego is like the exact right move to make, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that makes that surprises me zero percent uh when I heard that story.
1: Um, well, go ahead, James. I mean, same question to you. Like, how did you get started in the fantasy uh, field? I mean, you said that you were, you know, doing the gambling thing for like 20 years. So you have that experience. What is that kind of how you started in? With no,
3: sport? no, because the NFL and, and they're, and they're still this way. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm no longer with them, so I could say this, but they, they, sure. they explicitly say you cannot talk about gambling.
2: Um, by the way, Roger Goodell, yeah. I am not talking about it. I am not saying a word about it. So just, <laughs> Roger, if you're listening, I just want you to know that exactly. Uh, <laughs> what I'm
3: about, what I'm about. You're you're not allowed to talk about it. Um, not even allowed to make references to it. You're not even allowed to make like little, you know, Al Michael style side jokes about it. You're just not allowed <laughs> to do it. Um, and and you just can't. So no, that that I that that you had to keep like super super under wraps. Um, if you did that, and they actually have like really strict rules too about like if you go to a casino, you can't go to a sports book, stuff like that. So, um, it, it's just uh, for me, it was a long journey, you know, because and, and it was the same way for Marcus too. But, um, I, I feel like no one in fantasy ever started thinking, like, oh, well, maybe I mean, for you young cats nowadays, like you're like, oh, I want to be you know, the next Marcus Grant, I want to be the next Matt Harmon, or whatever, you know, um, but. I think when MG and I were coming up um, and we're both in, you know, club 40 here, but when, when we were both coming up, like no one really thought about fantasy football as a career. Um, I know I love the game I've been playing, you know, for, uh, uh, gosh, 20 more than 20 years. um, And I just never thought of it as a career, but I did want to do sports broadcasting as a career. And that's kind of where I I started my whole journey. I did radio for a couple of years. I worked in small market television stations for, uh, for four years, but that's basically how I got to NFL network. You know, like uh, I did, I actually did news. Like I was a local news reporter. Um, and I did local news reporting in Bakersfield in San Diego and in Los Angeles. Um, and I, didn't actually, this was all with the goal of doing sports down the road. Um, and when I got to LA, I actually did get an opportunity to, to be their um, weekend sports anchor. And um, we did a little bit of fantasy there. Um, I mean, I did like MMA, basketball, baseball, all that stuff, you know, it was cool. But um, eventually I, I got an interview with um, the hiring man- manager at NFL Network. Um, because my agent at the time, like called in a favor, I basically told her straight up, I'm like, Hey, listen, um, I don't feel like you're ever going to get me a job in sports. So I'm probably going to go with a different agent. And she's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Um, and like in like three days, she's just like, all right, you got this lunch meeting with this guy at NFL network. Who's like my buddy. Um, but he, he told me that it's not an interview. So don't, don't like, you know, you could do whatever you want, but he said, it's not an interview. I was like, all right, great. Go in and get this lunch meeting with this dude. Um, and you know, I just started talking about like, Hey man, like, this is why, this is why I'd be a great, um, addition to the team and like, um, blah, blah, blah. And And it was funny because he's like, you know, he's like, you know, this is this is not a job interview. Just, you know, just so you know, it's not a job interview. (laughs) So we start talking about stuff and like like 45 minutes later, he starts asking me about my contract and about like what 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 I would look for for salary and like stuff. And I'm just like, I thought this wasn't a job interview. (laughs) And uh, so we laughed about it. But, you know, and and it took a while, but uh, it was something like six months later, I ended up landing over at NFL Network. So it was good. Um, and then, yeah, I was there for four years and, um, best time of my life, man. I got to meet some great people like Marcus, Adam Rank, you know, Matt Harmon, franchise, Alex Gilhar and all them. And, and a lot of the guys, um, at com were, were, were wonderful. So, um, it was a special time in my life for sure.
1: And real quick, uh, when did you guys start with NFL fantasy live?
3: Um, I, I so, was on the show. Yeah. I was hired to do that show. That's what, um. The guy hired me to do. Um, and that's kind of w- why I was there. Um, I-, I think Marcus was on it from the get go uh, for at least for a long time. I- Marcus, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the whole time I was there, you were on it, right?
2: Yeah. Now, the show had existed. Uh, for, I mean, obviously, before I started working there, the show existed. Uh, right. I mean, just a, the quick history of Fantasy Live, it started off as, I think, like a 30 minute online only show. Uh, And I think, you know, know some some of the producers, uh, you know, guys who are no longer there, but, you know, they really pushed and prodded and convinced the network to actually put it on actual television. Um, I had been working there. It might have been my second season there um, when I wrote something for the website and one of the producers read it and was like, hey, do you want to come on the show and talk about it? Uh, And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, You know, and I, I so full disclosure, I. I think it was on that one time and I didn't have any real suits or anything like that. I had a corduroy blazer that I wore and everybody called me the professor. because I looked like some like liberal arts college uh, you know, <laughs> professor at that point. Um, so that was like the one time I did it. I obviously didn't screw it up because they invited me to come back for like, you know, a day or two a week, the next season. And it just sort of snowballed into that. Uh, so now I'm you know on every day. <laughs> That's and awesome. by the way, his, yeah. his
3: suits have just gotten immaculate from his <laughs> <laughs>
2: the
3: guys looking suited up now, uh, bro. I love it.
1: That's what's up. And like when you guys like just first started like working together, was that kind of how you met? And then it just kind of yeah. went from there. And then you guys? Cause I know like, you know, you, you guys and Harmon, you know, you guys, have definitely posted pictures of you guys drinking. It's well known that you guys are like, you know, nah. tight. So it's like, did it start from work and they kind of blossomed into like a, a genuine friendship there?
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know James until he started working at the network and working <laughs> on the show. I mean, that was, that was how we met and it turned into the podcast. And, um, you know, I mean one of the things that I always wanted to do was knowing that we were all going to spend a lot of time together between writing and the podcast and the TV show. It was Like I wanted to set up so that we would actually be friends. And so we would do happy hours every week and we would hang out. And, um, you know, I think that's the one thing, James, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was the one thing that made our pod popular and successful was that, like, people got the sense that we were actually legitimately friends in real life because we actually were. And I just thought, you know, the, the fantasy stuff was good. I thought our analysis was good, but I just felt like people enjoyed listening to four or five guys who were actually friends get together and do a podcast.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a hundred percent. I mean, you hit it right on the head, you know, and. um what you know around the NFL has got going on um with their room full of heroes is, is what we had building as well on the NFL Fantasy Life podcast it was such a shame that they broke it all up um and they didn't value what we had it, it's it's really interesting NFL media is a it's like they're Cutting edge and also blind to cutting edge. If and, and I'll explain, like, they had a Madden show that did extremely well. Mm-hmm. But it was the first, you know, weekly Madden show ever on, on network TV. And um, the way they did it, it was awesome, man. And it was a great show. Then they decided to cancel it. And then a year later, everyone's doing esports. So it's like <laughs> they were two years ahead of the curve. And if they had just stuck with it, it would have been gangbusters. It would have been a great show. Then
1: they uh, lost it. Adam, Adam Rank hosted that show, right?
2: Yeah. Um, yes, part of it, Adam Rank Ad, was
3: hosting that show.
2: Adam, Adam Rank, we we joke with him about this. He has this really bad track record of shows <laughs> that he's on getting canceled. Um, <laughs> like, like there are about four or five shows that Adam Rank, you know, either either was the host or like a prominent prominent you know member of, and like they all get canceled like after a season. Like he we joke with him. He's sort of a kiss of death for a lot of things. <laughs> It was because
3: what was it? It was the Madden show. It was Fantasy and Friends that he Fantasy did with Damashek. That was a one seasoner.
2: Uh, he, uh, yeah, he did a thing called the Weekender, which you know if you if you're familiar with the Soup on E. Oh like it was sort of like the Soup, but obviously football themed. So that was one that and got that was canceled. one season. Um, yeah. And then we did uh, this past season. We did uh, NFL Fantasy League One, uh, and 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 is know. that canceled? That's not coming back. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Spoiler alert. So yeah, Adam Rank is—he uh, is the unfortunate kiss of death to a lot of oh, things. <laughs> Frank, That's we love funny, you. man.
3: Oh, uh, he is—he's—he's so, he's wonderful, by the way. Uh, but really yeah, no, um, yeah. I, I mean, so yeah, no, we had a—we had a really, really special thing. Um, going on with the fantasy podcast in particular, the show was a little bit more, I don't want to say disjointed, but it had a lot more, it, the cast was a lot bigger, right? So the fantasy right, yeah. podcast, you knew who was going to be on, you know? Right. Um, you, you knew every single episode, it was going to be me, Marcus, um, Franchise, Harmon, and Alex Gelhar. You just, you knew it. And Every single week, that's what you got. Um, and it was a great yep. Great podcast um but uh, so this goes back to like i said nfl media's kind of history right like so they were uh they had these podcasts going and and again i mean you got to remember like you know four years ago podcasts were were developing you know what i'm saying it wasn't like this like joe rogan wasn't selling the podcast for his podcast (laughs) for 100 milli back five years ago you know what i'm saying like that just didn't that kind of money didn't exist um back then and so, yeah, they gave us this platform and we took it and ran with it and it was really gaining some steam. I mean, we were really making inroads, man. I'm telling you. Um, and oh, I, I, and, I yeah, and just, yeah, and then they just, yeah. And then all of a sudden they're just like, yeah, you know, um, we're just going to let everybody go. And it's like, whoa, what happened, man? That was crazy. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, like, you know, so like I said, they've done a good job with kind of like being ahead of the trend and then like not following through with the trend, you know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? So that's kind of sort of right. where they've been.
1: Well, no, I mean, you you, you know, and if you look at a, a podcast like the Fantasy Footballers, I mean, those guys, you know, I think are can be looked at as, you know, one, one of the best, if not the best in the industry because of the camaraderie. Um, and it's an independent podcast, but exactly right. If the NFL could have looked at that as like, well, this is what people like they would have never broken you guys up and you guys would be certainly doing better than what they're they're offering now. I'll say that, you know, just pretty you know, and that's my opinion. I mean, I, I you know, when I first got into the industry, it was I, I James Coe was like who was I was looking at. Marcus Graham was who I was looking at and and you know, that's uh that was big for me. And you know, it was definitely a shame for guys like me and Josh who who were tuned in all the time. So, you know, it but it's awesome to have you guys here uh and Thanks for sharing your stories for sure. Um, but let's uh, let's actually get into some fantasy football talk here. Um, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype train is it, – it's it's in the first round. That's where it's at because you're not walking out of a draft with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if you don't draft him in the first round. So, Josh, I'll, I'll get your thoughts real quick, and then we'll toss it up to our guests. But, I mean, you were the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire truther from the get-go.
0: Yeah, actually, um, you know, in our startup league, uh, ended up making a trade so I could go up and get CEH. Uh, it's, I've just always been an Andy Reed running backs truther, to be honest with you, just insert Andy, Andy Reed running back here. And then you can put my name after it as, uh, as being a, you know, a truther, but you know, with, uh, with what we have going on, it's the same thing every year. I mean, last year, all these articles coming out is Damian Williams really a first round running back. I mean, last year was probably like one of those lone exceptions. Uh, of course, anyone who watched the playoffs the last two years know what Dame did, uh, just elite fantasy production there. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's the same thing every year, you know, for all the way from 2004, you know, all the way to, to 2017, uh, you know, cream uh, hunts rookie year, you know, you're looking at uh, technically, you know, 04 to 16, 19 and a half points a game. Uh, it's exactly what Kareem Hunt got you in 2017. Uh, when he, and then, you know, he's NFL rushing leader. Uh, 2018, you know, that that goes up to 20.8 points, uh, PPR points per game. And then, uh, you know, like I said last year, kind of being like that one exception to the rule there. Uh, but I mean, my goodness, you know, like the, the list of, of Andy Reid running backs, uh, goes on and on that have had success. You know, Brian Westbrook, Sean McCoy, uh, you know Jamal Charles. Uh, we even had you know a Spencer Ware season before Kareem Hunt came yeah. out. And uh, it's unfortunate the way things unfolded for Kareem Hunt because you know in that season in uh, in 2018, like I mentioned, um, the, he was he gave you 20.8 points a game. Now this is this is 11 games worth of production, uh, but in 11 games, Kareem Hunt under Andy Reid it gave you seven receiving and seven rushing touchdowns, uh, 14 total touchdowns. And, and of course the way things unfolded there, uh, quite unfortunate, but when your franchise QB, you know, your half billion dollar man, you know, goes and you, know, he tells you like, Hey, this, this he tells us staff, Hey, this is the RB I want. Um, you know, watch out, man. Uh, Cause we know what we know what Mahomes can do. You know, Andy Reed's offense has always been explosive and productive for fantasy running backs. And with Mahomes at the helm, I mean, it's it's incredible. I, I told you, Steve, before we came on, been in some best ball drafts here in this past week, and I mean, you're not you're not getting Clyde Edwards-Slayer after you know 110. I mean, he's pretty much going at 110 uh, right. in the last week or so. He's but you know since this news broke uh, with Dane Williams opting out, you know, he's been like the RB seven on average, and that's rising. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if uh, if CH actually the RB six uh, by by the time we get our podcast out and on the airwaves. So, Marcus,
1: I have it written here on the show sheet. When is the earliest you take him? Is he a clear first rounder? But I'm going to make this a little bit harder for you because I think that's too easy of a question. I know you're a Kenyan Drake guy. So,
2: I mean, who are you going to take him over Kenyon Drake right now? See, here's the thing. I, I've always been, I've been sort of mealy-mouthed on, on CEH just because I felt like Damian Williams was going to, to, to get some opportunities. Obviously, that's not the case anymore with Williams having opted out. I mean, I guess if you if if you're forcing me to make a decision, which I guess you are right now, uh, <laughs> I would take C.E.H. over Kenyon Drake just okay. because just because look, I, I if you're asking me to pick between the Chiefs' offense and the Cardinals' offense, it's going to be the Chiefs' offense all day. Like, there's no real debate there. Mm-hmm. I just. Look, And I loved Kareem Hunt, right? Like I was maybe the biggest Kareem Hunt truther when he came out of college. But let's also remember Kareem Hunt got that opportunity because of injuries. Like he wouldn't have had that shot there. So maybe it's the same thing for, for Edwards Hilaire. Um, I just, I don't know, something about it, and I, I can't put my finger on what it is, something about it just doesn't doesn't feel right this year. And so I don't think I'm going to have him on any rosters because I'm not going to feel comfortable pulling the trigger at the the spot i'll need to in order to get him um right. and so yeah i yeah look i, I know that that's what the consensus is if he's going to be a first round guy uh i just i i just don't think i could i don't think i have the guts to make the move for him at that at that spot
1: so so real quick before we get to you james that's kind of how i'm feeling um with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and what i've realized that it's doing is it's making guys like nick chubb josh jacobs aaron jones just like more. They're at a value now. They're dropping a spot because CEH has plummeted into the first round. So, you know, Aaron Jones was already a guy that you're getting at the end of all of these running backs. I mean, Joe Mixon, you, all of these guys are going ahead of Aaron Jones. So guys like that are going to be just more of a value now. I'm starting to kind of realize here. James, how are you feeling about Clyde over tolay right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where Marcus is coming from. Certainly, you know, um, he's a rookie running back. Um, I hate to use this, you know, the standard old trope of you know he he hasn't really you know shown it before, but he's a number one lead dog on it, the the league's best offense. And if you were just to put that in a vacuum and say, okay, this is the lead back, um, even if it's a fifty, let's say it's like a fifty-one forty-nine split, right? But this is the lead back, a first-round pick, lead back. On the NFL's best offense, where are you taking that guy in a vacuum? Forget the names. Like you're, yeah. you're definitely taking that dude in the first, not only in the first round. You're probably flirting with, you know, a top five selection, um, just yeah. because he's attached to such a great offense. Now, what Marcus is talking about, um, I, 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 100% cosign that. I, I totally agree. Andy Reid, look, we know Andy Reid's gonna play with our hearts, man. It's just what he does. I mean, you mentioned Spencer Ware for whatever reason. Do we remember when Kareem Hunt, for whatever reason, was getting taken out late-game situation? So even (laughs) when they were trailing and they needed those little quick dump-off, like you needed – you had Kareem Hunt and you're like, oh, my God, I need these dump-off points. Please, for the love of God, give me these trash points right now. No. It was freaking (laughs) Tarkandrick West out there. Like that (laughs) killed me. Like, why is Charkandrick West getting burned over Kareem Hunt? This doesn't make any sense. That's what Andy Reid is going to do. And and that's what he has done uh, for the better part of 10 years. I I mean, you mentioned some of these other running backs, and they're all great players, no doubt about it. Um, But, you know, I'm sure there were times where you kind of just felt like, okay, they could have gotten more. And um, that's probably what's going to happen with CEH as well. You know, I, I think he is obviously a top 10 pick. Um, I don't think he's a top five pick. Right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, I think he's going seven. Yeah, he's going mm-hmm. seven right now, right after Michael Thomas and Dalvin Cook. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's a – I want to say that's about right. I think seven is about right for him. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, um, and I, I talked – I addressed this in my, in my latest podcast – um, that dropped today, but I don't know why we are, for whatever reason, in PPR. Why are we discounting Julio Jones? Why are we discounting New Hopkins? Why are we discounting Tyreek Hill? Um, at at seven, after Michael Thomas, all of those three names should be up for consideration. I, I if I'm if I'm picking seven, I, I will have a very difficult decision in front of me between C E H. And those three wide receivers that I talked about. I didn't even talk about Devontae Adams. Yeah, throw in another name. So a yeah. very difficult decision there at seven or eight, but certainly I think CEH uh, deserves some consideration in that
2: range. You know, I'll tell you I'll tell you this real real quick too, because I'm I'm in the midst of a a semi-slow you know, best ball draft. And I was I was in the eighth spot, and I really felt like I'm like, what am I gonna do? if, if it comes down to it and I'm at eight and there's CEH and, you know, pick a receiver, Devonte Adams, Michael Thomas, what have you. I'm like, I'm really going to have a tough decision. Now, fortunately for me, somebody took Edward uh, Edwards at like four or five. So like that, oh. you know, so, so then I, I gladly snatched Michael Thomas at, at 1.08. Um, and, and you know, went on about pick. my business? Right. I went on about my way. Um, but I was like, I was like sort of dreading it. I'm like, I don't know if I, I, I don't know what to do <laughs> if, if I had yeah. this decision. And I was just glad that somebody took that, that,
0: that, well, you know, that, there you out of my go. hands.
1: And there you go. Cause Michael Thomas is going six or seven, usually after the slew of running backs, whether it's five or six of them, depending if Dalvin cook and, or Derek Henry are taken. Um So yeah, you got that value right there because he goes one spot back at one Oh eight. Um, It's going to be tough. I I agree with you, James, like these receivers, like, especially nuke i mean that go into the, the late second round sometimes it's great it's crazy you know, that it's crazy the, the, the value is so depressed right now on that position um you know and you just think to like what three years ago when antonio brown was the consensus wide receiver one or, or i'm sorry overall one right. Uh, right 101 and it was you know julio was probably 102 or maybe even 103 um, so obviously the landscape is changing every year, but you want to get ahead of that sort of thing, do you not? I mean, you like so if to your point, James, like yeah, maybe you should be looking at these guys because even Devante Adams sometimes goes into like the you can get him at like the two oh three, two oh four sometimes, depending on you know, I mean, these guys like I just mentioned. Um and that's Austin where Julio Neckos is going. Government.
3: He's going in the early parts of the second round, which to me is just It's just we're we're acting as if this guy just did not post a hundred catch season. Like it's PPR people. Like I don't. I'm just confused. Like what are we talking about here? New Hopkins had a hundred catch season. Like what 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 is there to think about? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like so what that we could take you know unproven you know you know fringe running backs? I just. I don't know. For me, if I'm picking at in in Marcus's spot, I'm almost assuredly almost assuredly going wide receiver, wide receiver off yeah. the first two picks. Uh that's just kind of where I'm going. Any anywhere any pick after, you know, eight, unless uh, again, unless CEH falls to me or something, you know, and, or maybe somebody decides to get crazy and, and they want to get um some of these wide receivers early and I, and I get an elite running back that falls to me, but I tell you what, man, I'm not um I'm not investing I'm not going to take Kenyon Drake ahead of Julio Jones. I'm just not going to do it, you know? Um, I just, and Aaron Jones, yeah, forget about it. Like, that guy is definitely going to see a huge touchdown regression. Like, no, I'm not taking that guy in the second round. No, give me a wide receiver. I'm good.
0: Yeah, part of me thinks that it could be just a little bit of the running back, you know, player pool tends to thin out a lot quicker. So maybe it's just that some fantasy owners are comfortable with, you know, what the last 15, 16 years, if you took a shot on, you know, Chiefs RB one in the first round, you've only been wrong twice. So I feel like, I feel like a lot of that could be baked into this, you know, full steam ahead on the hype train, um, which does make sense. But at the same time, all the receivers that you just listed off, James, especially when you're talking about, like Marcus said, you know, Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas, I mean, it doesn't get much more consistent than that either. So I think that's, what's really making this a super difficult decision for a lot of people there. uh, When you get in the back half of the first.
1: Right. Yeah. But, but like we've talked about on this show, if you do want to go running back, running back at that point, you still are probably walking away with like two studs where at the, if you're at the first pick and you get Christian McCaffrey and you go back to the end, all of those running backs could be washed up where like, you know, you can get like Josh Jacobs or Clyde Edwards Hilaire and come back and get Nick Chubb or come back and get, you know, Austin Eckler, if you're an Austin Eckler guy. So Mm -hmm. that, that running back, running back spot at that point, I also see the appeal and I'm a wide receiver, typically a wide receiver heavy kind of um, drafter, but I do see that appeal for the running back, running back, especially at the back half of the first round this year. Um, You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire being paired with a Nick Chubb. I mean, to me, that sounds pretty awesome to start off your your team with Clyde Rousselaer, who could be what we think he could be in that top five-ish guy um, to pair with a Nick Chubb who almost, you know, led the league in rushing last year. You know, that would just be a, a dream scenario, in my
2: opinion. Yeah, this is a reminder, by the way, that when we talk about draft strategies and and that sort of thing, that like some of it is really contingent upon what everybody else in your draft is Mm -hmm. doing. Like I've always Mm -hmm. I've always said waiting on a quarterback is great when everybody's waiting on a quarterback. Zero R B is great when most of the people in your draft are waiting on running backs. You can't be a zero RB drafter, or you it's at least difficult to be a zero RB drafter when everybody's snatching them up. When you have, you know, 15 of your first 20 picks being running backs, it's hard to wait because then you really are kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. So right. I, I think, you know, when people start talking about, you know, these absolutes of going with one strategy or another, like, eh, eh it sort of
0: depends on what the folks around you are doing. That's going to dictate a lot of it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, when you're looking at uh, most drafts, you know, things do thin out, you know, pretty quick there, you know, especially when you're getting into, you know, the the fifth round or later and, Uh, One thing that still offers a lot of value is, um, you know, the the wide receiver position. So uh, I feel like, you know, especially with the way a lot of recent drafts have been trending, um, there's just there's a handful of guys that tend to end up being there after that fifth round mark that you can kind of really bank on to be a productive, you know, wide receiver two, or in some cases, depending on how, like you guys just said, how your drafts go and how your roster build plays out, you might actually be able to land a solid wide receiver one, you know, after the fifth yep. round. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy. And uh, so we'll, we'll actually talk about that real quick. Um, and Steve, I'll throw it to you first, uh, but wanted to get kind of an idea on what wide receiver you guys are kind of higher on than consensus at this point. Uh, So, Steve, I'll throw it to you first, and then uh, we can get kind of your guys' take, uh, Marcus and James, after that.
1: Yeah, I'll be pretty quick. Your guy, first of all, has been my guy, um, you know, since the beginning of the offseason where I'm looking, you know, at at the value that he was being taken in drafts and still is. Um, But I'm also considering an other receiver at that point right now. Will Fuller (laughs) is volatile. I mean, he he's going to miss time. I know that when I draft Will Fuller, (laughs) but what he did last year uh, in 11 games, uh, he averaged 6.4 targets per game. Um, And in six of those 11 games, he had at least seven targets. He got double digit targets twice. He got nine targets once. This is all with DeAndre Hopkins on the field. So, you know, I see Brandon Cooks come in and and I still think that Brandon Cooks is, is a fine receiver. Um, you know, he's not going to command 130, 140 targets. Um, But that is on the table right now because DeAndre's 150 are out the door. So where are those going to go? Well, I think that Deshaun Watson, who, you know, Josh, we've talked about this. He's going at a crazy value right now. He's not even being thought of in this first tier of quarterbacks where maybe we should still be thinking of him as that. I don't know why we're not, you know, I have him as my QB six, so I'm guilty of that, but you know, he's got these field stretchers and one of them is, you know, he already has that rapport with, and that's Will Fuller. Um, You know, I, I really see that 120 targets is very realistic, even if he plays 13 games. Like I think that Deshaun Watson is actually going to, pepper him with targets if he just averaged 6.4 last season who's to say that's not going to be seven closer to seven this year when he's on the field so you know when it comes between uh, between Will Fuller and the guy that you're about to talk about Josh that's where I'm leaning with Fuller because I really see a potential of high volume there
0: yeah I mean it makes sense everything you said I completely agree with especially the John Watson comment I mean um, James, you're talking about some uh, some sports betting. I've been literally like money burning a hole in my pocket because I'm up here in Michigan and uh, sports books opened officially uh, like the second weekend in March or second week of March. Um, unfortunately, due to outside circumstances going on in the world right now, uh, they closed like three days later. So um, I just haven't had time to get up and make it to a casino because I, I I think Watson's a great guy to throw down like some long shot MVP odds on. Um, I think that those are a little bit, uh, you know, understated there as well. Um, mm. But, you know, going to my guy real quick to kind of speed the segment along, uh, you know, right in the middle of that that fifth tier of receivers uh, currently going as the wide receiver 32 is Hollywood Brown, who, you know, it's got a fresh 23 pounds of muscle added on here. Ooh, we like uh, that. We there. Just saw, yeah, we just saw <laughs> that, that news break, uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, so you're thinking like, oh, he must be huge. Uh, he looks great. He's up to a, a swole 180 right now. Um, okay. But, but still like that's, you know, still kind of on the smaller side, but perfect second year breakout candidate. I mean, he's like my second year breakout special, uh, just massive upside part of the super sophomore class. Um, you know, he was banged up a lot of last year, but he showed the upside when he was healthy and he was out there. I mean, we are talking about seven touchdowns on 46 catches. I mean, of course, there's there's going to be some regression built in there, but those that kind of ratio is just sick. But there's going to be, you know, more opportunity this year. I mean, I, I expect more targets because I think he's not only going to get an increased share. Um, you know, I mean, the Ravens threw the least amount of pass attempts in 2019. Uh, so, like in general, the, the, I mean, you know, the law of large numbers that can only go up. Um, you know, and they played from behind very rarely. Uh, they finished the regular season 14 and two, so that's not calling for your offense to just air it out a ton when you have, you know, a ton of talent in the backfield. So you can just kind of pound away the the clock there and, and you know, game script dependent situations like that. But you know, he gets deep balls, he gets end zone targets. Um, and it sounds, it doesn't sound that great that Seth Roberts and Hayden Hurst are leaving. Um, but hey, it's still 75 vacated targets that kind of opens up. And it's mostly just rookie receivers coming in and with an extremely abbreviated right. preseason. Uh, hey man, I'll put my eggs in Hollywood Browns basket all day. And what we've talked about
1: before, I mean, he's getting that depressed value because of the, you know, like you said, that super sophomore class. I mean, all those other guys going way ahead of him. Hollywood Brown is the afterthought. So take that all day.
0: Um, Yeah, absolutely. James, what about you? Who's uh, who's kind of like a a receiver that you're higher on than the consensus that's going in that uh, that round five range or later?
3: Well oh, I, I just wanted to kind of add on to what you were saying there at first. Um, you know, Marquise Brown going somewhere in that six round range, you know, a top seventy selection. And um I, I agree with what you're a lot of what you're saying. Um the guy was playing I talked to him this offseason and you know he was playing largely at like he said like fifty percent. His foot was hurting every single day after practice, after games. Um he had screws put in. And now he says he feels like he's a hundred percent. And he's, he basically told me, he's like, look, man, I'm going to put the league on notice because he's got four, two speed and he's going over the top. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're going to try to bring down a box safety and you want to go single high with Marquise Brown throwing down, you know, a four, two on the sides running a nine, forget it. You know, even, even with, he only had 71 targets last year, but let's say that even goes up to like 100 or 110, you know, I I totally think that he could get, you know, eight or nine touchdowns on a hundred targets. That's how crazy it is because um, what are you going to do? Uh, you, you can't run cover two. I mean, I guess you could try, but it's really hard to stop Lamar Jackson in this running attack uh, without creeping, you know, some safeties down. So, um, and I don't think there's too many corners in the in the NFL that can stay with Marquise Brown, um, one on one. So, uh, I'm I'm on board with what you're talking about. Now, again, it gets a little bit dicey. He's gonna have to turn into like some kind of like Tyler Lockett clone in terms of converting limited opportunities into production. Yeah. But it's certainly possible. It's certainly yeah, possible, I mean, and if, and I wouldn't if,
1: bet against it. If if he gets 110 targets, like you know, I mean that he could be a borderline wide receiver 1. I mean that kind of volume would be insane with with the kind of skill set he has. Yeah,
0: and at, yeah, and at I, this I, point it, when we're recording too, like we're we're recording here the first week of August, but like last week uh his ADP was like in the mid 60s and he's taken a sharp dip for whatever reason. Um you know, and now he's back into like the early 70s. So it's uh it's, it's kind of weird to see that over the last week. Um but you know, maybe maybe the news of him being bulked up will we'll pull that back up into like the 60s. So
3: Yeah. I mean, the fact that he was playing at 160 pounds last year was just absolutely insane. But uh, you talk about, you know, I, I feel, first of all, I, I feel like we could do this particular segment all day long because there's so many receivers that I think are going way too low. I think Marquise Brown is certainly a guy. Um, I look at AJ Green um, as somebody who's going in the sixth round as well, you know, top 65 selection. I, I, I feel like, Joe Burrow's coming to town, man. Like I get that their offensive line looks like poops, but forget <laughs> it. Like AJ Green is still going to be a, uh, the primary target there. Um, but I, w- I really want to focus in on Devontae Parker. You know, again, just just outside the top seventy uh, on fantasy football calculator. And I understand where the hesitation is. Preston Williams, you know, is coming back. Um, his first eight games with Preston Williams, um, Devontae Parker was not. You know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire, right? We're talking about a dude that averaged 11.5 PPR fantasy points per game. Um, And then it was the last eight without Williams. That's when he went gangbusters, right? He was the second highest scoring fantasy wide receiver the last eight games of the season. Averaged 19.3 fantasy points per game. Second, again, second only in both categories uh, to the great Michael Thomas, right? But, and I think there's a lot of that narrative built in. I get it, but... I would also say this, this, look at the teams he played in the first eight games of the season. It was Baltimore, great secondary, New England, enough said, Dallas, Byron Jones, Chargers, Casey Hayward, Buffalo, Trey White, Pittsburgh, with Minka Fitzpatrick on full-on revenge game mode status, right? Yeah, baby. Look at all of these games. One, two, three, four, five, six of his first eight games came against elite secondaries. That's tough. And he's still giving you 11.5 fantasy points per game. So I don't think, to me anyways, whether it's, you know, if it's Magic or it's Tua, um, if it's Tua, great. But I I just think Devontae Parker last year put it together. You know, we're talking about a guy who finished the season, uh, Extremely well, like I said, back end of the season, the wide receiver two on the last eight weeks of the season, right? Give me that guy in the sixth round. Are you kidding me? I don't understand how his ADP is not in the fourth round. I, I think he's his value is extremely depressed. Um, and I'm and I understand the reasons why I just disagree with him. Um and so for me, you know, once round five comes around and Parker's on the board, I'm snatching him up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then year two of no Adam Gase. So always a bonus, uh, Marcus, what about you? Who, like, are are you a stand for a particular wide receiver kind of after that, uh, that wide receiver 30 ish range? Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I guess it's not after wide receiver thirty. I mean, he's probably coming off the four, but I and and I know James is gonna say I'm a homer. Maybe I am, but I'm still. I think I'm bigger on Robert Woods than a lot of people are. Like I feel like that okay. gap between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup should be closer than what it is right now in a lot of drafts. Because, um you know, look Woods really was kind of a jack-of-all-trades for this offense last year, right? When Brandon Cooks was hurt, when they were trying to find some kind of spark, they moved Woods inside, they moved him outside. The other part of it is they've been using him on those jet sweeps, which we're always looking for ways to kind of pick up those hidden fantasy points wherever we can, and that was what Woods was doing by running the football. I think it's close to to just shy of 300 yards rushing over the past couple of seasons. I think the only wide receiver with more is Cordero Patterson. Um, and so you know, that has been kind of a, a sneaky source of fantasy points from this guy. And even if it doesn't happen this year because they do have a deeper stable of running backs – The fact that Brandon Cooks is gone, that he's now in Houston, means that there are a whole lot of targets that are going to be available there. And, yes, Tyler Higbee is going to get some. I'm sure, you know, whichever running backs they decide to throw to are going to get some of them. But there's a very real chance that Robert Woods could get close to or above 150 targets this year. And I know everybody looks at Cooper Cup, and for for good reason. I get it. Um, He's definitely a security blanket for Jared Goff in that offense. But just, be you know, at some point I feel like we have to stop discounting Robert Woods, right? He's had back to back years in, in Los Angeles of being a very productive fantasy receiver. Um, you know, I, I know that when he first landed in in LA from Buffalo, I remember I remember when he first landed in LA, uh the the press release that was sent out to announce it, uh it highlighted the fact that he was one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league. And we were all kind of, we all, we all kind of rolled our eyes at that. We're like, okay, sure. Like, this is, this is what we're picking on, right, for the guy. Um, but he has blossomed into being – look, I, I mean, I watched him, obviously, at USC. And he is starting to look like that guy we saw playing for the Trojans all those years. And I think at some point, you know, we, we need to start acknowledging that as such when we draft him. Um and I just I really do think that like that gap between him and Cooper Cup needs to be a lot closer than it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. And good point. Um, you know, even though, like you said, he's not technically outside of that top 30, but real quick point, uh, you know, if you're looking at Fantasy Pro's consensus ECR rankings, uh, he is the only receiver with a double digit plus minus uh when you're looking at the current ADP to current rankings. Uh, until you get all the way down into like the wide receiver 46 and 45 range with uh, Anthony Miller and Debo Samuel. So uh, higher, higher, you know, upper echelon here. Uh, Robert Woods solid, solidly, I feel like in that third tier of wide receivers, um, but a 10, a 10 pick difference between his, you know, 26 ADP and his wide receiver, um, you know, 16 uh, price tag right now. Yeah. And does, and you know, Robert Woods like
1: kind of sneakily gets like 150 yards on the ground, you know, he might just run in a touchdown too. It it doesn't do much, but I remember, um, going into, I believe it was last year. I was looking at his running production a- along with Tyreek Hill. It was like identical, like Tyreek Hill and Robert Woods had identical seasons, except, you know, one just had a lot more yardage and a couple more touchdowns and Tyreek Hill. Um, so yeah, 150 targets not out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, they're going to funnel the targets to him and Cooper Cup. I mean, that's what this offense is going to look like. That's what this passing offense is going to look like. I think that, you know, I have Cooper Cup ahead of of Robert Woods because of the touchdown upside. Uh, but, you know, if, if I could see Robert Woods getting something
2: like nine, 10 touchdowns, I, I think that they would be a lot closer. And I do think that's part of the you know the, like talk about positive regression, right? I mean, Robert Woods for all the work he did had two touchdowns last year. Right? Right. <laughs> it feels like that number's got to go up, no. right? So that yeah. yeah, that's a big plus in his
1: in his favor. Hundred percent. Agreed. 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 I, I view I, and I I have him you know having five or six touchdowns this year for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, if he gives you 150 targets, he's going to be borderline wide receiver one again. Let's get your guys' hot takes. I mean, you know, we've been doing this now. We had Paul Charchian on, uh, and he said that Zach Moss would outscore Devin Singletary in fantasy points. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good way to start us off for the offseason uh, hot takes here. So, Marcus, we'll start off with you, and then we'll go to the James. What, what is your hot take for 2020?
2: My hot take is that by the end of the year, Johnu Smith is going to win some people some fantasy leagues. Okay. Um, you know, look, he, he, I know that everybody's talking about these late round tight ends that are hanging out there that, that have some opportunity to really produce this year. And I think John New Smith is one of them. I mean, you, you look at that, uh, that passing game there in Tennessee, right? We, we know A.J. Brown is going to do work. That's that's without a doubt. But I mean, at this point, I feel like Corey Davis is going to slide into that spot that was that has been vacated by Devontae Parker of the hey, is this the Corey Davis breakout year? No, it's not. <laughs> um so so like, you know, where, where else are they going to go with the football, right? I mean, Ryan Tannehill, uh, he's gotta go somewhere. He can't go to AJ Brown every single week or every single throw. Um, you know, Delaney Walker's not there anymore, so that means opportunity is opened up. And so I think John New Smith is going to get a whole lot of looks in that offense and uh, especially because so many people are going to stream the position at tight end. I think Jonu Smith is going to be a guy who's going to be very popular when we get down the stretch, and, and I think hes you're going to see him on quite a few, I think, championship uh, fantasy rosters this year.
3: Uh, James,
2: we'll bring it over to you. What is your hot take for 2020?
3: My hot take for 2020 is that Raheem the Dream Mostert will end up being a top five fantasy running back. Let's go. Ooh, I, I just think I, I love what he brings to the table in San Francisco. We know Shanahan is able to kind of coach these guys up. His scheme is just immaculate. You know, I I had Raheem Mostert graded as one of the best outside running backs um, in the NFL last year, and that was on extremely limited touches. So, um, I think Tevin Coleman's washed. I think he's been washed, and I think he will take another step back. I think Raheem Mostert will own about you know sixty to seventy percent of the running back shares, and in Shanahan's system. Oh, forget about it. Give give me Raheem Mostert. He's going somewhere in that fifth round right now. He's the RB26 off the board on Fantasy Football Calculator. My hot take for the season is that he vastly outperforms ADP, um, ends up the season as a top five
0: fantasy running back. Josh, what do you think about that one? I like the spice. The spice meters pinging on that one. I mean,
1: like. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about Raheem Moster a lot on this show, and one thing that happened with the trade rumors is his ADP dipped, and I don't think it's come back like to where it should be. I think it still is dipped. And I was, I'm in a best ball league right now with Ben Gretsch and a couple other guys in the industry, and you know, I'm in, I'm at the six eleven, and I'm just waiting, and I see Raheem Moster is just like falling and falling i'm like is he really gonna make it to me at six eleven? he didn't it was like 609 but i was like i will definitely take the point you know and so in the sixth round i think that's a great value
0: nice i think he's going
3: entirely too low man and um and i think he's a a, a, uh i just think he's got that explosiveness um and he understands the system um you know they're going to employ some kind of two-back set. Obviously, Jarek McKinnon coming off of injury, but, I mean, we, ha- we haven't seen this guy since the Reagan administration. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, bro. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Tevin Coleman, at this point, Tevin Coleman looks like, I mean, I don't know. Like, he, yeah. he's a, a shell of a shell. You know what I mean? so, um, I'm not too worried about Tevin Coleman either. I, m- and money matters. Money matters. And Raheem Mostert's chasing that bag. You yep. know what I'm saying? So this is his um, chance. This is his chance. Like every run that he's taking to the outside right now, that's like, he's looking at bags. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, give me that bag. Yep. And um, and I think money motivates and he's in a great system. He himself is a great player. Um and and I think he's just gonna explode and, and uh he is a player. So like when I when I say, you know, I'm going, you know, wide receivers early you know, rounds one and two, if I'm picking, you know, uh, seven or later, it's because of guys like Raheem Mostert, Jonathan Taylor that I like in the fourth, fifth round, you know, that I can take, um, swings at. And, and if it doesn't work out, you know, I got backup plans for days, you know? So, um, so it's all good, but yeah, these are the dudes that, that I would be targeting if I did go wide receiver, wide receiver up top
1: is it fair to say that Tevin Coleman is a shell of what we thought he could have been? Like, he's not quite a shell of what he was. Cause he wasn't really <laughs> for much of anything, unfortunately. Like, and that's kind of, you know, the point, you know, that adds to the point of Raheem Mostert, because yeah, there's a couple backs there, but you know, they're not really inspiring uh, anything. And it, Kyle Shanahan's going to give it to the guy who's producing. So yeah, if he can touch, if he can touch 200 carries this year, You know he's got that rb1 upside and i think that you know if he's going to get that top five then it's going to probably have to be more like 225 225 carries something like that um but he can certainly be efficient in that offense so
2: to to tell you what people think of the the backup Niners running backs i've had multiple people ask me what i think of Jamichael hasty i think Mm -hmm. i think that says something (laughs) <laughs> yeah. right
1: exactly. the hot hand like Jeff, Wilson, Jeff Wilson should I be like drafting him in the back of my like no <laughs>
0: draft draft, draft Jeff, Jeff Wilson in your touchdown only leagues if if anyone still does this <laughs> uh, Marcus James you guys
1: are totally dope for coming on the show today it was a lot of fun talking with you guys um, please just tell everyone you know what you guys have coming up for him you can follow Marcus at Marcus G on Twitter James at James D Co K O H. Um, so James, just real quick, uh, where can uh, people find um, the, is it, Oh man, I'm going to mess up the name. Hold on. Fan- is it fantasy and five?
3: Fantasy five. Yeah. The fantasy, fantasy five. Uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, again, a, a five minute micro podcast. You can find it on Apple and Spotify. I think we're still working on Google. Uh, that process takes a little bit longer, but that's okay. Just um, if you go to my Twitter account or, or my Instagram, um, you can find the links there in my bio and, um, and I think Marcus and I both do a pretty good job. Um, uh, he's got way more followers than me, so I, I don't, I, I can't imagine he gets to all of his questions, but I, I get to a lot of my questions, you know, and, um, but I do see Marcus, um, pounding away on those Twitter keyboards, man. And so he, I know he does a great job of answering fan questions as well. So, you know, um, we get a lot every single week and, and I, I, I truly believe that, um, we try to get to as many of the questions, um, as possible. So that's just kind of, um, my thing. If you, if you want to reach out on Instagram or Twitter, by all means at James Deco and, um, man, please just, just give my podcast a try. That's all I'm saying, you know, just give it a try and let's just see what happens. <laughs> well, I can
1: attest to you guys being super responsive on Twitter. Um, James, that's how, you know, you got on the show a couple of years ago. I think you said something like, Hey, like, I'm uh I I'm I'm good to go on on the guest spot. I hit you up right yeah. away, and, and it worked out. So you know if you guys have any questions, sure, reach out to James, please. Um, and then Marcus, what what do you have coming up for you know the season? I know that you've been doing your show in the off season. Anything that be, that's going to be going on through the season as well?
2: Yeah, um, I mean we're doing the podcast right now twice a week. That's going to up to three times a week once we start the season. Uh, Fantasy Live is is going to come back in in just a little bit too. So uh, we'll be we'll be getting that going. Um, Other than that, yeah, Twitter uh, is probably the best place to find me, at Marcus G, and I try to tweet out as much stuff as I can there.
1: And then, Josh, I know that you had uh, your article come out on Fantasy Pros recently. You uh, had a piece on Jarvis Landry. Um, Do you have anything coming out soon or
0: during season? Yeah, we've been uh, pumping out a lot of those collaborative pieces. Um, I pretty much took a crap all over Tyler Higbee earlier this week, and (laughs) uh, then I also have uh, little – Just a little piece. Um, We're looking at some uh, wide receivers that we think are currently overvalued. Um, And I wrote a little bit about DeAndre Hopkins in there uh, and why I just wouldn't probably take him at his current ADP. So feel free to check it out. You can also follow me at JoshDaly72 on Twitter. And, uh, James, you officially have a new subscriber to the show.
3: Yeah, sweet.
1: <laughs> you got one. <laughs> nah, nah. Uh, James, Marcus, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, of course, you can find the Hot Take Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, by the time you guys listen to this, we would have already recorded our live show with Ray GQ. But that's something we're going to do uh, every week, um, you know, going up towards the season is do a live show. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, we're going to go on Thursday night uh, on the full-time fantasy Twitter via Periscope. So be on the lookout for that. Um, on behalf of our great guests today, Marcus Grant and James Coe, and my co-host Josh Daly. My name is Steven Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Club.